When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. But first, we want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Mid-Columbia Medical Center, which provides specialty care for athletic injuries in Portland and beyond. So thanks so much for supporting the show. Today, Jamie, I'm especially excited for our show because we are actually going to head out on the river for an introduction to an outdoor pastime that I think it's safe to say for the two of us that we aren't exactly experts on. Speaking for myself, I would say absolutely not. But you know, Jim, it, it's it's so cool. Sometimes in the show, we can recount our travels or share the skills that we've learned in the outdoors. But some of the my favorite shows that I just love the the most uh, are when we have people on here on the on the podcast who can teach us about their outdoor activities, their skills, their experiences that you and I might not be familiar with. Yeah, one of the things I, I hold closest, Jamie, I think about the kind of work that we do is the curiosity that journalists have in their work and being able to meet engaged, mm -hmm. interesting people who are so passionate about what it is that they do. And the podcast is a really fun outlet for that. Today, we're going to dive into the pastime of fishing here in the Northwest. From the start, I had ample opportunities to get into fishing as uh, as a youngster, as a child. Uh, I grew up on a, a lake back in northern Michigan, and I, I did go fishing sometimes, but I didn't really 100% fall for it. And and one of the things I love about it is that you can do it from the time that you are old enough to pick up and hold a fishing pole throughout the duration of your life. And I think that's so cool and such a great pastime. And Jamie, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's getting nicer and nicer to get out on mm -hmm. the river these days. Yeah. Jim, like yourself, my, you know, I have not had much fishing experience at all. <laughs> like I remember going to like a birthday party when I must've been like five or six years old, you go to the fishing yeah. And, you know, they go to the little pond they've stocked with some fish and you can, you know, dip a pole in and pull out something and they help you with it. Um, that was the extent of my fishing experience, um, which is to say not very much. Yeah. Um, so today to talk to us a little bit more about fishing, some is someone who has um, quite a lot of fishing experience, certainly more than two of us. Today with us in the show is Bill Monroe, who covers fishing, hunting, and wildlife for the Oregonian and Oregon Life. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You mentioned you could start fishing from the time you're old enough to hold a pole, but you stop short of saying it, but I'll go ahead and say it until you're <laughs> too old to hold a pole. <laughs> I'm getting closer to that, but I, I've been very, very fortunate all my life to uh, have worked in a field that I love and, and uh, revere completely. And those who read or have read The Oregonian since I began in what, 1981 um, may not 
rec- may recognize me as something other than an expert because it's it's been at times the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I've really enjoyed being outside in in uh, the most beautiful part of the world. Yeah, well, Bill. Well, now we're we're getting into into spring here um, in the most beautiful part of the world. It's obviously a time when people are out and about and getting back into. Um, nature. It seems like it, it's, you know, as, as someone who doesn't know about this, it seems like a good time to get out and go fishing again. Um, is this kind of the time of year when people go out and, and they start, you know, um, and seeing what they can catch out there? Well, it is. Sure. Yeah. Spring is, uh, despite today's clouds, spring is springing for sure. But, you know, Coven was kind of a boon in kind of a macabre kind of way. It really awakened an interest in the outdoors. For these last couple of years, it's been the only mm-hmm. way that people can get away from having to wear a mask or be around others and get out and get some fresh air and and enjoy the outdoors. And so there have been some significant upticks in the number of fishing licenses sold and even hunting to a degree. And also hiking, boating, bird watching, they've all had a surge of interest. Yeah, sure, it's spring, but this has been going on. And of course, mm-hmm. the mild winter has helped enable people to get out too. It's not just the river, by the way, sure. to get on the river. We're rich with water in spite of the, the drought. We've got streams and alpine lakes, reservoirs, uh, an ocean, and uh, tons of neighborhood ponds. And they all offer opportunities for people to get out and go fishing. Very much so, Bill. And I'm, I'm curious for you know those who are interested in going to check out some of those neighborhood ponds, uh, getting out on the river going up to an alpine lake once maybe some of the snow melts uh, for the completely uninitiated. How would you recommend that someone gets into fishing on a very broad brushstrokes basis here? It's kind of one of those, let me count the ways. We're one of several states. um, And I think we're probably at the premier top of the list where you can go somewhere any day of the year and cast a line or wet a line in whatever pond, lake, river, ocean, or whatever you're doing any day of the year and expect to get a bite on something somewhere in the state of Oregon. Regardless of the weather or conditions, uh, there's there's always something to do in the way of in the way of fishing. And we've got um, gee, we've got native trout, salmon, sturgeon, smelt, um, and those are just those are just native, and in the ocean, of course, uh, with its own salmon and rockfish, halibut, flounder, clams, crabs, and then we've got tons of introduced species: um, bass and panfish, walleye, catfish, just mm-hmm. to name a few. There's just, there's just lots and lots to do. We, <laughs> we have an have a bounty on uh, a fish called a pike minnow. Um, where people can go out and actually they're not all that difficult to catch, especially coming up in June when they're up in the shallows close to the shoreline to spawn. But you can get paid um, $8 per fish by the Bonneville Power Administration. Well, via the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife, Oregon is in on it too. But that's a, that's a bounty program because they eat, they eat baby salmon. And uh, of course, everyone's trying to, these days are trying to save, uh, save baby salmon. It's kind of like, you know, Oregon fishing is kind of like poker. There's lots and lots of ways to play. (laughs) Start your day with eternal optimism and then uh, either combine skill and luck to either win or lose. 
except that that uh, fishing <laughs> is a lot more memorable than a card game. I love that. I love that. Much better for your pocketbook as well, though. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of ways to get in deep uh, fishing as well. But um, so, so, Bill, that leads me right to the next question I have for you is let us in on the magic. You know, why why is this such a special pastime for you? And And how would you hook folks to say, get out on the water and try this for yourself? I, I hope this comes across conversationally, and I have to tell you that I I uh, fudged a little bit, and <laughs> you wanted some colorful language, and I that doesn't always come off of the top of this aging brain, but um, I did write down some thoughts, um, and I'll just go ahead and, and read it and uh, hope, hope yeah. it makes sense. Um, you asked for visual language and description, and that that's. That's so hard to quantify, especially when we only have a relative few minutes here because there's so much to love. Now, I'm looking, I don't know if you heard my clock in the background here a moment ago, but it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a chickadee. It, it, it uh, brings a different bird on top of every hour. And so I'm, I've got that to remind me. And I look out the window of my study right now and, and I'm watching squirrels in the squirrel feeder and chipmunks um, and doves on the ground feeding and several different types of birds and thinking about uh, wanting to go out and go fishing here pretty soon. And there's just, there's an undeniable magic in being outside. Mm -hmm. Humans, of course, developed over the eons from our dependence on on our natural environment. We've got, here in Oregon, we've got blue skies and snow-capped mountains, the sounds of surf on the rocks and sand and wild animals coming and going, children laughing dogs uh, coming back and forth there's even <laughs> there's even beauty for me anyway in raindrops um maybe not mm-hmm. so much when they're under your collar instead of outside it <laughs> you know you go up to bonneville dam in late april and watch the runoff how can you not be impressed by the roar of of uh water from two nations and and uh one two three four five states uh pouring pouring out its heart into into the ocean, which isn't all that far away. Or maybe when you're turkey hunting and you look through a cobweb that's got the dew on it as the sun comes up behind it. Fishing embodies all of that, whether it's the water quietly lapping the shoreline of a lake or especially, for me, the relentless, and it is relentless, beauty of a running river. It's just fishing waters the soul. There's just nothing quite like being outside and, and experiencing the wonders of, of a being much greater than we are. Um, mm-hmm. Not to mention, of course, the, there's that thrill of, of an unexpected bite or the bobber moving with something tugging out of your view, but it's potentially a meal to take home. It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. kind of like drawing to an inside straight, only it's a lot more nourishing for both body and soul. Hmm. I love that. I can feel your your passion and your connection to um, to nature and to the land, to that activity just pours through you there, Bill. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. There's a term for the earth as a living, breathing thing. Um, it's called Gaia. And we need to recognize that we're, we're part of something much greater. We're all a part of what surrounds us. The earth is not an infinite resource. It requires that we not only be a part of it, but as the apex predator, we have to also uh, care for it. And, you know, it's just something that is so ingrained in me from when I was a child and first picked up a fishing pole when Dad was stationed at Tongue Point in Astoria. 
My first uh, fish was a yellow perch. It was just a small little guy, you know, it probably wasn't six or seven inches. I took it home and flopped it on the table in front of my mother's bridge club. Thank God they ooed and odd. But I, it's just, we all have to pay attention to the outdoors, and there's there's so many distractions now, and I'm so, actually, I'm concerned, but but glad that COVID has been driving some people outdoors to awaken that reality. There's so many distractions now as, as technology seems to be engulfing us that we need to get out and realize that, that uh, we're a part of the natural world and so are the fish. And there's a bond between us that uh, simply cannot be broken. That's beautiful. I, I think you're right. And I think circling back a little bit to what we were kind of getting into earlier. I mean, so for folks who hear that and who feel, say, really inspired to get out and try fishing as a way to um, sure. connect in that way, what's the pathway? Do I do I go out and you know buy a fishing pole and head out to my nearest uh, you know lake? Do I head off to the riverbank somewhere? Um, go with a guide, with a, a friend who knows how to fish. Um, how do you how do you how do you even get started doing that? There are some factors that, you know, some, they're not ground rules, but, but there are some basics. Uh, if kids are involved, you want them to be excited and feel their pole wiggle. You don't want to have, have them sitting in a boat waiting for six hours for a salmon to bite. You take them to a trout pond somewhere and, and yeah, you pay a little bit of money to uh, the trout farm person and, and uh, she loans you a rod and reel, and and all of a sudden you're connected with uh, with the other part of the underwater world. Hmm. Um, it'll cost you some, and then you take it home and eat it, and and you've come full circle for the first time. Now, if you've got your mind on something else, you know, or don't have children, the Department of Fish and Wildlife has got an extensive program of of uh, trying to reach out to beginners. Um, for fishing, I would suggest uh, a couple of things. Uh, figure out what interests you or where you want to go. <laughs> like I said, you can mm-hmm. go anywhere in Oregon um, and find something to fish for. Figure out where you want to go, perhaps, and start from there and then hit a local tackle store. Um, those guys, like the Department of Fish and Wildlife, are also interested in in um, your success because that will bring you back as a potential customer. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're always full of information. The tackle stores now, not the big box stores. You won't, you're unlikely to find anyone say in Fred Meyer by Mart has got some tackle oriented folks, but, but I'd stick to uh, like sportsman's warehouse or fisherman's Marine or just a local mom and pop tackle store. Um, mm-hmm to ask them where to go and what's going on. You can go out and you can observe um, some places where crowds seem to be collecting. The Department of Fish and Wildlife also has an extensive, uh, right now, a winter and spring uh, trout stocking program going on. And you can go online and see what ponds have been have been stocked. And those trout, <laughs> you won't have to pay like a trout farm per inch, but but you will have to have some basics, and it's pretty easy. It's just a bobber and a worm underneath it on a hook. Um, that's that's pretty easy to uh, to pick up at a store and and uh, go out and and uh, 
witch or whistle. Now, if if something else uh, interests you, like <laughs> anywhere from rockfish uh, out on the ocean to a, a longer trip offshore for salmon or halibut, then you'll have to probably start with a charter. There are um, a lot of us have neighbors and friends who have boats um, and who would be willing to take you for gas money, you know, or you, you always want to offer to, mm-hmm. to help pay the freight. Or you can hire a guide. The guides, we've got, we've got hundreds of maybe even, I don't know how many guides are in Oregon, at least hundreds. Um, I was thinking maybe a thousand or more, but there are some very, very good guides. And, and like the others, the, they're usually very willing to share their, their expertise, even when they know that you may come back with your own boat sometime and, and uh, copy what they're doing. Figure out where you want to go, or maybe, maybe your spouse wants you to take her to Central Oregon, and you say, "Well, what's going on in Central Oregon?" There's a lot going on in Central Oregon. Mm-hmm. Like they're about to lose their ice and and turnover. It's called turnover. The cool water rises to the top instead of the the bottom, and or the warmer water comes up instead of uh, and the ice and the cold water goes down. But when that happens, then there's a pretty good bite, or or she or he may want to go to the coast. Um, their jetty fishing at high tide is usually pretty decent. It gets a little dangerous, um, and there are a lot of cautions involved, but you pick the right tide and the right weather, and, and you've got a good chance at some rockfish off of uh, off of jetties or go crabbing. Um, razor clam digging right now is excellent. Seven days a week in Oregon at, off of... Uh, Clatsop beaches from Tillamook Head north to the Columbia, all of Seaside, Gearhart, and that area. It's just, it just depends on what you want to do. Um, figure out what you want to do and then and then uh, ask someone at a tackle store um, or go to the Department of Fish and Wildlife. Mm-hmm. Or actually, you can go to the Department of Fish and Wildlife first and, and look at all of the information they have for beginners and then and say, okay, that's where I want to start. I like that, Bill. Well, we are going to take a short break here. And when we come back, we're going to jump into some more tips for uh, folks maybe in the Camp Jamie and I am in, which is uh, a little bit on the beginner side of things. All right, folks, we are back with Bill Monroe talking fishing here in the Pacific Northwest. And Bill, you've uh, really given us a rundown of a lot of good information about fishing, what's hooked you about it, no pun intended, and how folks should get involved. But one of the things that we kind of breezed past a little bit is Oregon's fishing seasons. I imagine akin to hunting or other activities, there are very specific times of year that you do different kinds of fishing, different activities. So as we get deeper into the springtime now, Bill, what is on the horizon for you? What are you looking forward to? I mean, which one of my children do I like better? (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to save the hard questions for last, I suppose. (laughs) Hey, it's after the commercial break, at least. (laughs) Well, I say that with tongue only partially in cheek because uh, unlike hunting seasons, um, fishing seasons, they exist certainly, but there are so many more of them. Hunting seasons are pretty much a a fall thing with very few exceptions. 
and you make choices on hunting and it's, it gets pretty tightly controlled. Fishing, you buy a license and like I said, you can go anywhere just about in the state any day of the year. Right now, we, as I mentioned, we've got uh, razor clam digging. Crabbing is good until they start molting in July. Um, uh, bottom fishing is good. Uh, it's lingcod season. They're starting to uh, get on their nests offshore. It's spring Chinook season in the Willamette River. It's trout season throughout the winter and spring. Winter steelhead in, in the rivers on the coast. What I'm looking forward to right now is leaving for Kauai next Tuesday Ooh. and perhaps getting into some snorkeling for lobster and maybe even get out if I get a chance, uh, get out for a little bit of yellowfin tuna fishing. That's on my immediate horizon. Um, All right. And when nice. I come back, then then I'm probably right now at this part of spring, I, I really prefer um, spring Chinook fishing. Spring Chinook come in early and they're, they have the highest oil content of all of the salmon species. And the Willamette and Columbia Spring Chinook are even have a higher oil content than Copper River Kings, which are marketed much differently, of course. But I really want to get out and, and get some, some hatchery Spring Chinook into my freezer. And so I'll probably do that when I get back. And then, well, through the summer, there will be a couple of sturgeon seasons. Um, I don't trout fish as much as I used to. I will do some fly fishing with my brother and sisters. Probably end up up there sometime in June or, or so as the water, as I said, the, the water gets friendlier for, for fishing. But that's on my immediate horizon. And then late summer, I really, really enjoy um, salmon fishing in Astoria. There's It's like bumper boats and and uh, crowds and and uh, fish biting, uh, whales rolling, sea lions stealing fish. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's quite a circus, and I I strongly urge anyone who hasn't hasn't uh, experienced it to uh, hire a guide and do it pretty soon because the the guys will be booked up. They're looking at another fairly good run of uh, Chinook and another really good run of coho down there this year so that and that'll take me into i'm pretty salmon oriented anymore and that'll take me into salmon season maybe on tillamook bay and and then a long winter's nap when i am forced to do nothing but hunt turkeys and geese <laughs> it's dirty wow. thankless work i tell you <laughs> that's that's so much that you're up to it that's amazing um it's great to hear just like just how much fishing you do, um, how many different kinds of fishing you, you do. I mean, just the whole, a hundred different places you go to. And I, I think that kind of leads into, um, not to ask you another difficult question, um, because I imagine this might be another difficult one following that. But, you know, you mentioned all these different places. Do you have some particularly favorite places to go fishing? Um, and if that's too hard of a question, are there any spots, you know, of that I feel like maybe they're especially good for, for beginners? Well, it's difficult again, because you don't know what the beginner wants to do. Mm, um, sure. Right now, <laughs> my favorite place for salmon is going to be the Willamette River. My favorite mm -hmm. place for salmon later will be the Columbia and Astoria and perhaps the ocean. 
my favorite place for trout right now. But, you know, a beginner, just the, and I call, I don't mean to say rank. I mean, the very beginners that don't want to do salmon or something exotic like sturgeon or, or brave the waves and, and get out. Um, there are a number, Bethany Pond, Commonwealth Pond, Freeway Lakes down by Woodburn, mm-hmm. North Fork Reservoir in May. These are all stocked with trout. My favorite place for trout um, would be with my brother up in, in the Century Loop somewhere out of Bend because I just I like it up there. Mm-hmm. Steelhead, uh, uh, I don't know. I I like I like the Wilson the Wilson River and and maybe North Fork Nahalem. Uh, they've got some okay. really good bank access in the in parts of the North Fork Nahalem. The sturgeon fishing isn't easy from the bank. But it is possible. It's done uh, a bit uh, up off of out of uh, Bonneville. It's mostly catch and release, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There are some keep seasons, but I just yeah, that's a tough question. But it's not because yeah. I want to divulge any secrets. It's just like I said, you know, which of my children would I prefer yeah. to be with? <laughs> well, there's so much to get into. And and you've given kind of the embarrassment of riches here of all of the different opportunities that folks have here in the Northwest to get out on the water. You're not embarrassed. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm proud. You know, I, 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 spent, uh, I spent seven years in the Navy during Vietnam, and I swore to myself I was going to get back to the Northwest and never leave. And and by golly, that's what I did. <laughs> I I love that. Amazing. Uh, it, it's it's a, a beautiful place. There's uh, nothing like it in the world. Here. It really isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. all those states that may also offer fishing every year. Not many of them have have an ocean. California, Alaska that's isn't true. always accessible. It has an ocean and lots of fishing, but. But there's nothing, you know, the array of the types of fish we have and and uh, the seasons and everything is just, and of course, the majestic beauty of the state. Yeah. The combinations is compelling. It's the reason in part that this show exists. Uh, there's just so much goodness here uh, and so much to get into. And Bill, starting a new activity, a new sport can be intimidating in part because there is a new load of terminology to learn new seasons and intricacies to get familiar with, but also new gear to acquaint yourself with. And in short, if someone wants to go out trout fishing for the first time or get out on the river for the first time, how would you recommend that they get set up with gear? Trout is probably the number one way people start fishing and it's, it's, Okay. The absolute, it's, yeah, it's hands down the easiest um, and best way to do it because there's so much opportunity with the stocking programs of the state. So I would, yeah, absolutely start with trout. And as I said, you go into a tackle store and don't be intimidated because actually those tackle guys are intimidated by people that don't want to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For God's sakes, if you're a male, you are not inherently born with the expertise to immediately know what you're doing when you go fishing. So <laughs> be humble. Just go start asking questions. And the other good way to do it, um, to start trout fishing, or any fishing for that matter, is to get online uh, at, at, well, is at myodfw.com 
and uh, look at their education programs and check uh, check their website under fishing and go down and you'll find a whole you know you, you you've got to kind of mine the the internet and, and mm-hmm. of course that's <laughs> that's where technology comes in but but you'll find you'll find lots of information on the department's website about how to begin fishing. There are also a number of um, pretty good books out there um, on on how to fish. Um, but I would I would start with a local tackle store because they'll be much more knowledgeable about what's going on near where you live than uh, yeah. than a book might be. Well, Bill. This has been a wealth of information, and uh, we really thank you for taking the time to come on the show here today. This has been super helpful, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this inspires some folks to get out there, uh, go, go do some fishing, and uh, hopefully be inspired in, in, in the ways you are. So thank you again uh, for taking the time. Well, it's, it's my pleasure because I, the more the merrier. We've got so much to do to uh, protect ourselves and and the people doing it are those who want to start fishing. Um, I've got gray hair, so if you see me out there, some guy with gray hair, uh, just ask, and I'm, I'm uh, here. To go. I also have a, I also I don't have a website, but I do have an email, nwbill at aol dot com, and I'll answer questions anytime. I, I'm happy to do that. Well, that that's very generous of you, Bill. And and again, it's nwbill at aol.com if folks want to get in touch and ask some questions of you directly. So, Bill, thank you again and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Well, thank you very much for asking me. Well, Jim, that was just uh, just a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Um, so much good information from Bill and such a great message, too. I think that was really special. Yeah, the idea that getting outside, learning more about the environment in which we live and fostering a relationship with it, that's so important. And honestly, is maybe something we could hit on more on the show is, uh, you know, our role in being stewards of these environments we so cherish. And, and we didn't ask Bill to jump into that or talk about that at all. He took that uh, upon himself. And that was, I think, uh, really keen of him. I, I liked that a lot. Yeah, you know, that, that's a message that, that I like to, to try to put out there as well. This idea of, you know, not just what do we get out of being yes. outdoors, but what does the outdoors get out of us being there as well? And I think that people who, um, do fishing or who do hunting, um, there's obviously, you know, bad actors, of course, but I think the majority of people who do those activities are so deeply tapped into yes. the land in a certain way where that is a part of that activity you know, not wanting to overfish, um, you know, not wanting to fish at the wrong times of year, being responsible, um, being good stewards of that place so that you can continue to do that activity yeah. for generations to come. Um, and I think Bill really tapped into that. And that's such a great message to continue to hammer home. I can't think of a better way to end the show than that. So until next time here, folks, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. 
This episode of the show is produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Andrew Thien. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. <laughs>